0: Welcome to the Montana Real Estate Podcast, where we will pull back the curtain and answer all of your Montana real estate questions. Buying and selling real estate in Montana can be challenging, and local knowledge is the key. We will explore the different areas of the state and educate you on issues that play a role in Montana real estate transactions. This podcast is hosted by Will Friedner, a broker with Glacier Sotheby's International Realty in Whitefish, Montana. Now, here's Will with today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of the Montana Real Estate Podcast. This is your host, Will Friedner, and today we're going to talk about all of the things that can go wrong in a real estate transaction and the things you need to be careful of so your transaction can close successfully. So whether you are the buyer or the seller, there are many things that can go wrong and end the deal on the house you're trying to buy or the house that you're trying to sell. One of the first things that can go wrong is right at the beginning when you're negotiating on price. And I could do a whole episode that talks about this subject, about negotiations and what you should offer and everything that goes along with it. But as a buyer, that is one of the big questions is how much you should offer. There are different scenarios that you need to think about. It depends on the market. There's not a set answer. I mean, some people think that well, you should offer 20% below the the list price. Other people say 10%. There is no set thing to do. What you need to do is know the values of the neighborhood because that's going to determine what you should offer and you need to know if there's going to be more offers. You can't be worried about the price or offering close to it or the price because sometimes the full price offer that it's a good value and and you can't be hung up in your head that you're getting ripped off if you offer the full price you don't always have to come in under especially in this market when there's so many buyers there's going to be multiple offers and if you try and come in low you're probably going to lose out the other thing you don't want to do is come in so low that you irritate the seller even if the place has been on the market for a long time you have to come in with a decent offer. For example, if a house is listed for 275,000 and it's been on the market for say 200 days. Well, a lot, some people will want to come in at say 230. Well, let's say if they li- had it listed at 230, there would probably be multiple offers on it. So why would they ever take your offer at 230? All that's going to do is irritate them. They know that if they go low enough with the price, They're going to have multiple offers. So you don't want to start out the deal on the wrong foot by offering really low. The last thing you want to do is irritate the seller to a point where he won't even work with you anymore. I've seen offers or I've seen deals where the first offer was so bad and the seller got so mad that he wouldn't even respond to the buyer when they came back with a decent offer because he was so irritated with them. So know your market and know your values and come in with a decent offer. As a seller, you need to try not to get too emotional. You have to remember that the buyer has no ties to the house, no emotions. He has no memories in the house. And what you need to do is get in the mindset that your house is an asset, like your car. Most people, unless it's a classic, don't get too emotional about selling their car. They treat it like an asset. You need to do the same thing with your house. And if you have that mindset, it'll be much easier to respond to offers. And the big thing is you always want to counter back. If it's a low offer, as much as you may be annoyed, counter. Because the deals still may come together. And if you don't respond, it tells the buyer that you really aren't that interested in selling. So if you really want to sell your house, there's no reason to take the chance of killing the deal right out of the gate because as I said earlier with buyers, you don't want to irritate the buyer right out of the gate just like you don't want to irritate the seller. The next thing that comes up during the deal is the inspection. So as a buyer, you're going to hire an inspector to go through the house, but what you need to remember is the inspector's job is to find things wrong. So I don't care if the house was built last week, they're going to find something to justify what you're, what they're charging you to inspect the house. So keep that in mind and try to read between the lines when they send you their report. Like I said, they're going to find all kinds of things. So try not to get too worked up over anything. Think about everything they find. And a lot of things are easy fixes. If you're starting to ask for everything to be fixed, you could annoy the seller and they could decide not to fix anything. They don't have to fix anything, so you need to keep that in mind. Just ask them to, you know, play nice and ask them to fix any of the bigger issues and it'll help close the deal. And if you're the seller, like I said a minute ago, you can say no. So if you if you read the in- inspection notice closely, there's nothing in there that forces you to to do anything. You don't have to do anything that the buyer asks you to do, but you want to be reasonable. So if they found something like mold in the attic or water damage. Remember, you're going to have to disclose this to the next buyer and your agent will too. You can't keep that a secret, so you might as well repair it. It's a good idea to fix anything major that the inspector finds because you don't want to hide anything or you're opening opening yourself up to a big lawsuit in the future. Just be reasonable and calm there may be things wrong. This is a, a good idea too. If, to do an inspe- if you're a seller, do an inspection yourself or have an inspector come do, do one for you before you even put it on the market. And then you'll know what you're up against. The next thing that comes up is the financing. So if you're the buyer, whatever you do, don't go and buy a car or a truck or charge anything big during this period of time before you close on your house. If you do something like that, it could mess up your debt to loan ratio and it'll kill the whole deal because the bank's going to say, well, we were going to lend you something, but now your debt to loan is screwed up and we can't. So at that point, if you go ahead and do that late enough in the deal, now you're already out the money for the inspection and the appraiser and you're not going to get the house. So keep that in mind. Do not charge anything big while you're going through this process. If you're the seller, The best thing you can do is up front make sure you get a pre-approval letter, a final pre-approval letter, or proof of funds if it's a cash deal up front. The way you can get hurt is if your house comes off the market for three weeks and right before closing you discover that they, they can't get financing then your house has been off the market for three weeks and you you may have missed out on another buyer. So if the buyer buys something like a truck or something like I just talked about, there's really nothing you can do about that. But you can save a lot of heartbreak and trouble if you upfront make sure they are strongly qualified. So the last thing you come to during a transaction is the closing, and I've got a couple of good stories here. There was a guy I was working with a couple years ago that he was trouble all the way along, and I should have known, but he got all the way to the closing table after all these issues and everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, and he gets to the closing table, and all he had to do was sign the paperwork, and then he started haggling about other fees, and he ended up walking out and not closing right at the last second, caused all kinds of problems. And people started talking lawsuits and earnest money and all this stuff. He finally came to his senses the next day and went in and signed. But there again, I mean, things can happen at the closing table. And just remember the the deal's never done until it actually closes. Another really funny story, and I heard this at the title company. So if you're a buyer and you're using financing, if you've done this before, you'll know, but there's a stack of papers an inch and a half thick that you have to sign at closing. Well, one of the forms is they list every one of your aliases on the form. So if you were married before or if your name's William and you go by Will or Dave or David, whatever it may be, they put all of your aliases on there. So anyway, this couple's in there, and apparently the agent didn't tell them about this. And so they're at the closing table, and they were fairly recently married. And they get to this alias sheet, and it turns out that the the girl had been married before, and she had never told her current husband about this. And so they're going through the closing, and they come to this alias page, and it says... Her former name, and he had never heard this before, and he asked her about it. (laughs) Well, it all came out right there at the closing table. Well, of course, he flipped out and walked out, and the deal fell apart because he didn't, he had no idea what was going on. So, discuss everything up front with your partner or your wife or husband, whatever, because this is something that could come up that you may not be expecting. So, those are some of the ways that a real estate deal can fall apart. But if you listen to the ideas I gave you and protect yourself throughout the deal, hopefully you will have a successful closing and none of these things will screw up your deal. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That concludes another episode of the Montana Real Estate Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you will join us next week for our next episode. If you have any questions or would like to know more about this episode, please feel free to contact me at montanarealestatepodcast at com. Or visit our website at montanarealestatepodcast.com. Or if you want to call, you can call me at 406-249-1735. We'll see you all next week.